Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. You think I'm a hero? I'm not a hero. I'm a drifter with nothing to lose. Now you killed that girl to put me in a frame. I mean to beat you to death and drink your blood from a boot. Now this is how it's going to work. You're going to give me the address, and I'll be along when I'm damn good and ready. If she doesn't answer the phone when I call this number, if I even think you've heard her, I disappear. And if you're smart, that scares you, because I'm in your blind spot, and I have nothing better to podcast. Nothing better to podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Griffin Newman. Uh, my name is David Sim. This is a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin. And I, I, I don't know David. what this is that you're doing. What's this? We are hashtag the two friends. Yes. We're two friends. We host a podcast together. What's the premise of this podcast? We like looking at careers. Some people look at the micro. We look at the macro, baby. We like charting. Yeah. And, and this weird conundrum. What happens when you're in Hollywood? You got some heat. You got some power. You sure. know, you're no longer begging for scraps. You have the, the ability to make things happen. What's happening right now? You get a blank check. Sometimes that check bounces. Sometimes it clears, baby. Okay. We mostly do miniseries. But once in a while. We do a one-off. Once in a while, something sparks our interest. Right. And there's a combination of factors. You know? Yeah. A, a movie comes out that we just can't help but talk about. Okay. Yeah, right. We see the movie and we're like, oh, ah. And you and I just feel like this ties together to some right. themes that we've been talking about in other episodes. We got, we got to fucking talk about this movie. Right. Part two is... We've been told that our ratings are good when we do one-offs about films currently in theaters because they're true. easier to see. People like to see movies that are in theaters rather have... than unavailable right. on all streaming platforms or even on Blu-ray and DVD like The Abyss. Subtweet The Abyss. <laughs> um, we don't try to abuse that, but it's, you know, we try to mix it up a little bit, try to throw one of these in every once in a while, right? Yeah. And part three is sometimes we have scheduling issues and we have a hard time lucky down the guests we want for the episode on the right day because everyone's schedules are crazy and we don't want to go a week without doing an episode. Of course. So that means today we're here to talk about a very important movie. Don't you're, you're I feel like you're we were always going to do this. I tweeted at you months ago saying we got to do this. Well, I had told you years ago yeah, yeah, that, that this was, movie should be seen. And I was like, "Huh, I don't know, man." And then I, you know, I got around to it. Then you tweeted me and you were like, "Why didn't you tell me to see this movie? This is my favorite yeah. movie of all time." It's the best movie ever made. Yeah, so. I agree. I've been telling you that for fucking years. Well, I got around to it. So you finally got around to it on the eve of its sequel. Uh, yeah, probably I watched it yeah, a couple months ago. Yeah, and I you and I, exactly. yeah, I think like a month or two ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were like, we should do something for this franchise, especially after seeing the second one. Mm-hmm. You and I went to an advanced screening of the second one. We did. We haven't said the name yet. No. No. And uh, People you know, will know because it's a podcast and it's right. in the title of the episode they downloaded. The day that we're recording this episode, the movie's coming out. Uh, yes, it comes out uh, this evening, I guess. Yes, it comes out right now. Yeah. This will drop on the Monday yeah. after when we know the box office results. Yeah, it'll make $25 million. <laughs> I think it'll make less. I think it'll make 17 Yeah, of course. First one only opened to 15 Right, but, but it, it was, had 5.2 multiples. It, it, multiple it was a very nice. That Christmas corridor. Yeah, and you know, it was, uh, it was a nice little word of mouth, you know, a dad movie. Yeah, it ended up at 80 domestic and I think like 250 worldwide. Uh, not huge numbers. Not Fine. something that would automatically lead to a sequel. Fine. But I think an interesting phenomenon here is that the star of this franchise really wants to make it a franchise. I guess so. I think, and we were talking about this, and I'm sure we will talk about this, yeah. he sees longevity in this for him. Oh, we're going to talk about yeah. this. 
But the the story, the narrative we're telling in this very special one-off episode is how Tom keeps trying to make Reach happen. Ladies and gentlemen, enough suspense. Yep. You've already read the title of the episode. Yep. You, of course, now are listening to... We don't actually... Uh... Jack Reach cast. Okay, there we go. Never pod home. <laughs> Never pod back. Never go pod. We're going to have to figure that. I was about to say, we actually didn't talk about what the title of the episode Jack is. Reach cast colon. We agree on that? Jack Reach cast colon. Never pod back. Never pod back. Never, yeah, never pod back. Yes. yes. That's what we should do. Jack Reach cast, never pod back. Great. So we swapped pod and cast. We inverted them. Sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you gotta invert. And that's what we're doing today. We're inverting uh, the format of our show. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Here we are. We're talking about Jack Reacher. And Jack Reacher never go back. We're going to talk about the series of Jack Reacher. We might spoil Jack Reacher never go back a little bit. But look, you've had a whole weekend. So if you, you know, you've got to get to Jack Reacher never go back, please like do that and then listen to this podcast. But we'll we'll mostly be talking about Reacher 1. I don't know. We'll talk about it all. We're going to talk about it all. No, this overlaps with some, you know, themes that have been going on recently in the podcast. In our Cameron Crow mini series, we talked about old TC a lot. TC-14? Tom Cruise-14. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've talked about Tommy Cruise. We like Tommy Cruise right. as a fascinating case study in our blank check sort of oeuvre. Right. Yeah. And he is kind of a blank check actor. Absolutely. Because it's a Tom is, Cruise production, right. as, as it announced. And he's kind of an auteur of all his movies because his persona is so big. it like And so under his control. He yes. hires the directors. Yes. He very much manages his brand this and has his been narrative tr- and all of this. For 20 years now. Mission yeah. Impossible, which was the first Cruise Wagner production. Now right. it's just Tom Cruise production. Uh, that, that was the first time he was sort of overseeing everything, and that's just been the norm for him ever since. And the key thing is between, you know, um, Top Gun. Sure. Which is the thing that elevated him to A-list. Made him a big superstar. Yeah. Right, like Risky Business made him a no, star. Sure, but Top Gun know. made him a superstar. Thumbs up. Yeah. And now he's got the blank check. Mm-hmm. He... Between that film and uh, take a look at his little and Mission Impossible, I would argue, with a very few exceptions, mm. went about trying to work with all the best living American directors. Color of Money, Scorsese, who directed Cocktail. Cocktail is Cocktail's count. the exception. I said with very few. Rain exceptions. Man, Barry Levinson, Born on the Fourth of July, Oliver Stone, Days of Thunder. That doesn't count. Who directed Days of Thunder? Tony Scott. He brought it back. Oh, home Tony to Scott. Scott. Yeah, it's fine. Right. Uh, Far and Away, Ron Howard, Few Good Med, Rob Reiner. Right. The firm is. Uh, Sidney Pollack? Uh, Pollock, exactly. Interview with the Vampire Neil Jordan. Like he's he's making a lot of Oscar plays. Yeah. He's making a lot of serious movies. But these are a lot of like he's tossing in a couple fun ones for the you know for the for the fans. These are know. heavy hitters of the eighties and nineties, and he's sort of going yeah. through them and trying to I think figure out. And he's working with also other huge movie stars. He's working with Paul Newman. He's working with Dustin Hoffman. He's Absolutely. working with Jack Nicholson. You and know, often, almost always, kind of almost playing a supporting role to them in terms of like which is interesting he's often taking the less interesting role doing a decent job he's kind of being the straight man or the kid or the the protege yeah Yeah. i mean apart from born on the fourth of july which is a real you know sort of bravura like give me an oscar pay attention to me performance and is both his first oscar nomination and at the time the youngest uh person ever to be nominated for best actor at the Oscars. Is that true? Yeah, which is crazy. That seems insane, but it's a hundred percent true. How how old was he? Twenty nine? Yeah. They do favor, you know, yeah, they go older with the actors than they do with right. the actresses. We're, but now like Eddie Redmayne won, he was like twenty seven or something. No, he's not. Eddie Redmayne's older than you think he is. He's like thirty three. 
I thought he was the youngest winner ever when he no, won. No, it's still Adrian Brody who was 29 when he won. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Eddie Redmayne was like 33 when he won. He Eddie was Redmayne 32, just, I think. Yeah. He's still, right, which means he's now 34. Yeah. But he seems like he's 12. Right. Okay. Um, whereas for Best Actress, it's Quavante Wallace, who was six well, when they shot Well, that's nominee. Right. But, uh, anyway, I'm saying yeah. Tom Cruise was the youngest nominee ever, and he was 29. There's uh, a big difference between best actor and best actor. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, I, I need to look this up because you're confusing me. And I mean, because I'm interested. Throwing but out too many stats. Who you are. You're throwing out a lot. Okay. It's early. We don't usually record this early. Um, but, but Tom Cruise, the narrative of Tom Cruise, we've been talking about a lot, right? And I think this Jack Reacher franchise, this budding franchise, you know, um, is very emblematic of the sort of weird space he's in right now. Mm. The sort of uh, crossroads he's at in his career. The other thing this overlaps with is we talked a lot about in our Bender Siege 2 dark podcast episode yes. that it was representative of a movie that kind of doesn't really exist anymore. And especially not at that level. And the equivalent is like the Jason Statham movies, which are a lot cheaper, you know? You're way off in the set. I don't know where you got this stat from, but it's not true. You just, you, it's not true. You How old was Tom Cruise? Oh, I don't know, but he doesn't even make the top 10 of youngest nominee. At the time? Yeah, at the time. I mean, there's a couple newer entries in here. Maybe he'd make the top ten. Who's You're, the youngest of all? Jackie time? Cooper for Skippy in 1930. He was oh, really? nine years old. <laughs> so where did I hear this fucking? Stat? I have no idea. Mickey Rooney got two nominations when he was a teenager. John Travolta, 24 years old for Saturday Night Fever, is Jesus your Christ. youngest, like kind of non-old-fashioned Oscar right. nominee. James Dean got two nominations Where before he died. Ryan bullshit. Gosling, Orson Welles for Citizen Kane was only 26 years old. Heath Ledger was only 26 years old. So this is insane. Which is, I'm sorry, that was me. I, I said that to you. Oh, yeah, Ben told me. Just, Wait just, a second. Just for a what? second. Heath Ledger was only 26 yeah, when know, he made Brokeback that. Mountain. That. That's crazy. Fuck that. It sucks that he's dead. Okay. Yeah, that guy was a great actor. I, I don't know where you got that from, but uh, I, when you, you said it, it, it just tripped like a huge I'll tell you who I got it from. I got it from our fucking producer. Oh, do you want to introduce him? Producer Ben? Yeah. The Ben Deucer? That's the men. Producer Ben? The men. The Poet Laureate? The Haas? Mm. Mr. Hositive? Mr. Positive? Uh, wow, okay. Birthday Benny? Sure. The Tiebreaker? The Fuckmaster? Hello Fennel? Yeah. Our finest film critic? White Hot Benny? God, you're yelling a lot. What was the one we came up with last week? Soaking Wet Benny? Drip Ben? Uh, I don't remember. Hey, look, if it doesn't... It's been a couple weeks since we recorded. If it doesn't, like, catch in our brains... And the fans don't tweet it at us a lot. I feel like, you know, it hasn't survived. Darwinism, right? Like, it just didn't make it. I yeah, agree. Something like Wet Ben, I We can't yeah. make these catchphrases, the, I mean, these ben. nicknames yeah. happen. Like, they were all organically created. Oh, oh, but here's one we came up with on our Terminator 2 episode that has stuck. Dirt Bike Benny. Oh, God. <laughs> that yeah, is pretty good. I, I, mean, I feel like we didn't delve into it in the Terminator 2 episode enough, just how obviously Ben was young John Connor and in the 90s. Kind of and is. still kind of is. But, like... It's, yeah, dirt bike, you know, listening to Public Enemy. What else were you doing? You were swiping candy bars from the, you know, Wawa. I don't know, Ben, come on. Yeah, shoplifting. I had a slingshot. Cool stuff. Yeah, he was a mix between Bart Simpson and John Connor. <laughs> yeah, well, well, John Connor and Bart Simpson, they're inextricably right. linked. I right. looked up to both of them, so. Ben, what did you do with your slingshot? Where, where, why would you have a slingshot? You'd shoot Butterfinger BBs at people. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not good. Oh, no. Really? Oh, oh, what did you do? Did you, like, uh, shoot at cars, like, on the highway or something? Yeah, I mean, we would <laughs> shoot rocks uh, onto the highway. Oh, and, uh, yeah, you know, we would shoot rocks at each other <laughs> sometimes to just have fun. 
Uh, oh yeah. my god! You know, it's pretty dangerous stuff. I'm still here, though, baby. You're still here. That yeah. is true. Yeah. Here's what's not true. You mm. are not Professor Crispy. Never. And people keep on saying, God, it's tough because the audio is so crisp. And I go, uh. don't. And then last week, we did our crazy fucking time jump head fuck. Oh, yeah. We did our performance, you mean, for the abyss? Or no, wait, what are you talking about? Yeah. No, for Terminator 2, where we acted like. Oh, yeah, right, right. Oh, no, it was for the abyss. We was... acted like we hadn't already. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to save the nickname. But uh, people said, God, Ben's performance was so crisp in that. And it was like, don't even. Okay, fine. Don't. But, yeah, then he had. Jesus. This He's graduated to so certain long. titles over the series. <laughs> <laughs> Many series. Uh, producer Ben Kenobi. Uh, Kylo Ben. Yeah. Ben Sate. Ben Ben Shyamalan. Uh, he is Say Benny. Say Benny thing. I like it. A Democracy lot. reversed. Rigged. <laughs> we Rigged. Don't get the heck now. But yeah, in the abyss, we pretended we hadn't reversed it yet because right. it had to come before. Anyway. Right. Listen back through our wonderful archive if you like any of this bullshit we're doing. I can't imagine why. Everyone loved it. Jack. P- 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 oh, I already forgot. <laughs> Jack Caster. <laughs> Jack Reachcast. Jack Reachcast. Re- never Reach. pod back. Here we are. We're going to talk about these movies that I feel like, even to this day, are, uh, especially the first one, is just kind of largely dismissed, right? It has its fans. Yeah, yeah it's it's the equivalent it has of its vocal an fans. Under Siege movie in that it was a, a studio $60 million, big A-list star. It was just more unusual because it came in 2012 when right. there's just less of those around, especially starring people like Tom Cruise. And everyone at the time was like, what the fuck is this movie? Like, this feels like, because Tom Cruise, when he picks a movie, it always sort of feels like an event, right? Whether it's good or bad, he makes these strategic, like, choices where it's like, you're going to get an annual Tom Cruise movie and it's going to mean something. And Jack Reacher kind of felt like a toss-off on its face. Right. You know, it was like, what is it? Was it just Tom Cruise with a leather jacket in a car? What is this movie? And I remember there were, uh, my, my friend Alan Sappenwall, mm-hmm. uh, Who's the TV critic for Hitfix? Um, the great Alan Sepinwall loves the Jack Reacher book, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Go ahead. Don't bring your bagel, you bastard. Um, wait. You mean this bagel? Yeah. You mean the bagel deucer? <laughs> Producer bagel? <laughs> no, no. Producer bagel. All right. Stop. Uh, Jack Reacher. Graduated to certain television. <laughs> and I heard this. Not bagel. To, I, can you stop? Say bagel thing. <laughs> Dirt bike bagel. Uh. Go on. Um, I heard it from him, and I think I heard it from a couple other fans of the books. Tom Cruise, he's all wrong for Jack Reacher. 100%. Jack Reacher's supposed to be like 6'5", like this kind of hulking guy. Like, he's yeah. supposed to be huge and really imposing. He's supposed to be a physical threat. Like, if you saw him, you would be scared. Exactly. And the and shadow sort of, like, you know, precedes him. And, and I like- remember the trailer for Jack Reacher dropped, and it's just that scene in the first movie where he's about to fight all the guys, and he's like, just just to be clear, you you wanted this, you know, right. and it's one of those. It's kind of like a taken or I mean, well, we should talk about that. This is in sort of that broad genre of like, don't fuck with him movies. Right. But I mean, it just seems so silly in the trailer. You're like, yeah. look, I get that Tom Cruise is an action star. I mean, I, I but come on, like they're not going to be scared of Tom Cruise. Right. Like this is silly. Well, but to back up a little bit, there are 20 Jack Reacher books, right? I think 21. Really? I, I think mean, 21 maybe just came out to coincide with the release of this. Uh, yeah, maybe. Let me. There's a new one that just came out, I know. I just I love the titles. Let me find the book series. Yeah. But they're a series of, like, you know, essentially, like, airport paperbacks. 21, There's... which is called Night School, is coming out next month. So, okay. yes, there have been 20. <laughs> the last one was called Make Me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jack Reacher, make me. <laughs> make me. They are essentially, though, like, they're like, you know, airplane, like, you know, beach read kind of like yeah, dad they're, they're, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You Dad's know, and much like and uh, yeah. James Patterson or, right. uh, you know, uh, Sue Grafton, you know, the, the right. kind of, you, they pump them out maybe once a year. It's, it's just, yeah, it's a, at a once a year. Now it's at a twice a year pace almost. Right. No, it's about once a year. But this is the character Lee Child has found. Absolutely. He's kind of like his Sherlock Holmes. You know, it's this guy sure. you just want to place in different situations, in different cases, and he's got his sort of milieu and his world that he lives in. Mm-hmm. The physical presence is a big part of the books. Yeah, one of the most in- we- oddest things about it is that Lee Child is a British author and for oh, some and some reason decided with this series. He's written other things, I think, yeah. to like, he wanted like this character to be American. He wanted him to be a former military policeman. Right. And like he wanted to write about like the Midwest and the like, you know, the sort of small town kind of vibe in the US. I don't know. So there's a weird sort of fetishization there. Well, it also is weird that like most people don't even know how a military policeman works. And Lee Child's like, no, no, no. Former military policeman. <laughs> yeah, right. Like he's he's well, working outside the, of that's jurisdiction. That's what I love about these movies. Me too. So I mean, because like I don't know how fucking. I mean, it's like makes a, no sense. I was trying to explain crime is someone. committed within the the you know environs of the U.S. Army. Then sure, like the military cops investigate, and then there's like JAGs who are like military lawyers, and they go to like court marshals and stuff. But like. Nobody, it, it doesn't matter. It's what's fun about it, right? Like, yes. he can kind of do whatever he wants, probably, and we're just like, yeah, it's probably how military cops work, right? I don't know. And both of these movies can And he can move cases. around. Yes, that's true. Military bases all over right. America, right? But those these movies, both these movies concern cases where the people at the center of them are not on active duty. Like, he, he doesn't solve cases of things that happen on the battlefield. No. It's like vets doing shit. Often, yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um. Lee Child, you know, I guess... The U.S. Army Military Police Corps. Corps. That is what they are called. I think uh, people had tried to make uh, Jack Reacher films for a little while just because if something's that successful and it goes on for that long, there's always sort of interest. Absolutely. And, I mean, we've seen it before, like the the long-running James Patterson series where it was Morgan Freeman and then they... With Alex... The Alex Cross Don't cross Alex Cross. Uh, And then they tried to reboot it with Tyler Perry. Don't cross Alex Cross. But that didn't work. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think of other recent examples of this. Well, these de- these detective novels often weirdly don't translate. It's odd. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think the it, it's hard to make the characters as iconic as they are in the series. Sure, you know because like the iconic part is sort of the the structure and like the format of the books. Yeah. And the characters be is able to you know they sort of this works better in TV right yes, like 100%. that's right they're procedural yes right. that's what you're saying and right. uh, you're right because there's a repetitive nature to it yeah, um absolutely Tom Cruise takes a liking and is like I want to do Jack Reacher that's my new franchise and that's, that's my new franchise that's style. how it works with Tom Cruise even in right. his diminished stardom which I would argue he do, he you know he's a little bit of a diminished star uh you know he wants to make something that's gonna happen right yeah. now like as a counterpoint. Uh, Cl- Clive Cussler wrote Sahara, right? Mm. Um, he freaked out, right? He sells the rights. They hire Matthew McConaughey. He sues the studio that makes Sahara because yeah. he's like, this character's important to me. He's somewhat autobiographical. Yeah, wasn't I find it, it he offensive. literally like, how dare you cast Matthew McConaughey? Like, you're ruining my character. Yes, 100%. Like, people won't buy the books now because of his stupid face. Right. That was when Matthew McConaughey was at his his he career bottom. Yeah. Right. Um. You one would expect that Lee Child would have a similar response to Tom Cruise playing Jack Reacher because he's physically so right. different. No, totally defended it. Not was at all. Like, Loved it. 
He's he like, said, it doesn't matter that he's tall. Now he's short. Who cares? Right. Like, yeah. I mean, but he I don't also think he said, said that, yeah, but. but he said, because you can never use the you S word with right, Tom Cruise. Right, right, right. But he sort of said, like, look, there are a lot of elements to the character. You know, a big part is the focus and just sort of like his precision. And that's a thing that Tom Cruise embodies really well. Sure. And he goes, the size thing is kind of irrelevant. When you're writing a book, you write whatever the fuck you want. I mean, and he's not wrong. Right. Yeah. But the interesting thing is he said, like, you know, there's no one who actually fits the physical specifications of what I described in the book that's not a real person. Yeah, exactly. I can name you two actors right off the top of my head. <laughs> like, logically, Jack Reacher would be Liam Neeson or Michael Shannon. Uh... Are both built like the Jack Reacher described in the books? I guess so. Shannon, I guess. Yeah. Sh- Shannon actually might be incredible. I but think both of them would kill it. But obviously, you know. I think both of them would fucking kill it. I'm not saying TC doesn't kill it. I think he kills it too. But I'm saying there are two guys who are Academy Award nominated actors, one of whom is a well-established action star yeah. with his own franchise yeah. who totally fits the specifications of what Jack Reacher is. Yeah. But they were like, nah, Tom wants to do it. Yeah. Right? Which is fascinating. Now, he makes this film... The first film in between Mission Impossible 4 and 5. Uh, yeah, that is Mission Impossible 4 had come out uh, the previous year. 2012 right. is not a great year because Rock of Ages also comes out that year. Yeah, he has a bad year. That's he, the noise I made thinking about Rock of Ages. He hadn't had a home run no. for a couple of years leading up to Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol is a huge hit, but before then it was Night and Day and Valkyrie and Lions for Lambs, right. which were all uh, relative versions of bombs. I think Night and Day... Did fine, uh, you know. It didn't make enough money, but it. It's like a single a double worldwide. A single yeah. and two doubles. Uh, Valkyrie actually, Valkyrie actually did weirdly, weirdly did well. well. Eighty-five million dollars for a movie nobody liked or saw, and that's where he meets uh, Christopher McQuarrie. Yes, uh, well, that's the who, key thing yeah. that happened there. But also, Valkyrie was the first Tom Cruise leading vehicle to not make a hundred million dollars in like fifteen years, twenty years. Yeah, you know, so it like did pretty well, but it was still like ooh, blooms off the rose a little bit. Yeah, teams up with Christopher McQuarrie on that, who was you know a longtime collaborator. Uh, Brian Singer directed, right? But that's like he wanted to work with Brian Singer. Brian Singer's like, here's my guy who wrote Usual Suspects. Well, and they had this whole, I they had this like boner for the idea that he looked a lot like the real German commander who tried to kill Hitler. Like they would like put these things online of like their face and profile. It was like like an anti Jack Reacher situation. Yeah, they were like, look at him. I mean, it's perfect and. I remember being hyped for that movie because it had such a good supporting cast. It was like Branna, Tom Wilkinson, Bill Nye, like all these like fun uh, British thespes and Tom Cruise playing Nazis. But then the accents are all off. That movie is not good. And then, of course, you're watching it and you're like, oh, they're not going to kill Hitler because I know that because they didn't kill Hitler. And then you sort of realize, like, why am I watching this movie? This movie is not interesting enough. For, yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on one point. Shoot. That movie is definitely BYOA. And that's bring your own accent. Everyone just talks the way oh, they do. Yeah. Which is weird. The opening of the film is like Tom Cruise writing a letter in German, and you hear the voiceover in German, and then it like crossfades into him writing the letter in English, and they're like, oh, so now everyone just talks in English. Yeah, it like pulls the, that trick. The right. first 30 seconds of the movie are like, this is what they should be sounding like. Right. And now we're just going to let everyone talk the way they want to. The which, thing, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. The one thing I want to disagree with you on is um, I do think there's a chunk of the movie where they think that they've killed Hitler. Sure. They don't realize that it didn't work. Right. And I think there's genuine tension in that section of the movie, even though you know how it ends. I, I agree with you. I think it does an okay job. There's like a 20-minute section of that movie that's kind of crackerjacked to me. But they probably shouldn't have made the movie. No, it doesn't really matter. Anyway, it's we're kinda, not, this is not Valker cast. But but Macquarie's a big deal. He's a big turning point. Because then he like teams up with Macquarie, 
And save for Night and Day, Macquarie works on pretty much every movie he does from here on out. Well, wait, no, he didn't work on Rock uh, of Ages. Ghost Pro. Yes, he did. What did he do? Uncredited. Oh, okay. Here's the thing. He becomes Tom Cruise's uncredited guy, who he brings in to work on every script. Uh-huh. Sure. Okay? okay. Um, I think Night and Day was sort of shock and crimp, but maybe he worked on that. But I know Ghost Pro was the big thing because at the time, when they hired Jeremy Renner, the whole idea was passing the torch. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Tom Cruise was kind of damaged goods. Paramount still wanted Mission Impossible to be a viable franchise, sure, right. and so we're going to introduce another guy, and this franchise is going to pass the torch. Right. The script wasn't working. Yeah. They were under the gun to get it. He went, I like Macquarie. We did Valkyrie together, brought him in. Macquarie looked at the script and said, first of all, you can't get rid of Tom Cruise. He's this franchise, right. this and that. And Tom Cruise has said that he totally saved that film. That's cool. I mean, Brad Bird, let's not discount uh, the great work of Brad Bird. But he needed a script to work with. Uh, yeah. And the script for Ghost Protocol is is some fun bullshit. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but I mean, then, Ghost Protocol is a wonderful movie. It's one of the best movies ever made. Macquarie, by his own account, was mm-hmm. sort of in director jail. Because of uh, way of the gun, way of the gun, which cost like a weird amount of money, right? Yeah, and he that had been a, that was a bad idea writing stuff, but like won an Oscar very young, yeah. directed a movie that bombed really hard. Suspect, yeah, right. And then you know was sort of bouncing around and working on other stuff, but kind of like it felt like he was maybe a guy past his prime. You know, like he had had his moment and it, it left. It did. It did feel that way. It right. felt like he was a flash in the pan, kind of a Stephen gig, and like someone yes. who was always going to stick around and polish scripts and you know perfect you know make his money in hollywood but but it's like he's not gonna have another usual suspect and the director thing was a non-starter right and then tom cruise takes this liking to him he works on ghost protocol he apparently you know saves the script gives brad bird the meat to be able to turn into like a fine steak right sure he gives him the fine cut of beef i get the slab of beef that brad bird massages and fucking grills you know (laughs) pepper crusts right Uh uh-huh Puts a little hollandaise on top, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then gives us a fork and knife, and we go, mm, "Ghost Protocol." I would say he gave him some like some pulled pork, and Brad Bird somehow turned that into a beef steak. Like I think Brad Bird did, but it doesn't matter. Let's I carry. think I mean, look, yeah, no, okay, look, let's carry. But then Cruz is like, you know what? Let's give Macquarie another shot. Yeah. And he has the sway to go. Jack Reacher. It's sort of a low risk. It's a sixty million dollar Tom Cruise franchise. That's a that's, budget. That's right. Yeah. Tom Cruise movie. Sure. Let him direct it, right? R-rated. Do what you want. Yeah. You know, uh, here's your book, hit book, right? You know, yeah. like work with that. Uh, Macquarie writes it his himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Jack the movie Reacher. opens small, but uh, multiplies well. Opens and does well enough overseas. Mil. We'll do the box office game. Yeah. Uh, and uh, multiplies to eighty to eighteen worldwide. Fine. Yeah. Not the kind of thing people are excited about at the time. And I think people are, are kind of just doing the, like, you know, why is he making, you know, like, I feel like the, the same the same murmur about Tom Cruise's career, which is essentially, he's good in the Mission Impossibles, everything else is kind of by the wayside at this right. point, right? It's right. still ongoing. Yeah. Right. But the big thing that comes of it is, Cruise is impressed enough by the movie that he hires Macquarie, he knocks make, him up rogue, to Mission Impossible, nation, yeah. which at the time was also a weird move, because... Here's this real director-driven franchise. Yeah. And, and here you're giving it to I think a everyone was baffled, but most people, including me, had not seen Jack Reacher. Right. And I'd seen Jack Reacher, and I was like, interesting. Sure. And then I, we've argued about this many times, thinks that Rogue Nation's the best of the five films. I think Ghost Protocol's better, but I think Rogue Nation is fantastic. Love it. Love it. And I remember I saw it with no expectations. The, all the advertising was, he hangs off of a plane! Which like, is the opening of the movie. That was all they wanted, yeah. yeah. You to know was that he hung off of a plane. Yeah. He does hang off of a plane, and it's totally cool. 
We were, there were like five minute commercials in front of your movies. Yeah. Where Tom, they were like, he really hung off the plane. And then they cut to Tom Cruise. Like, I sure did. And you're just like, I mean, I had this whole theory that I might have even talked about on the podcast at the time where they're like, they know, the marketing knows, the movie knows that Tom Cruise is crazy. Or at least that people perceive Tom Cruise as being crazy. So yeah. why not just have him be crazy? Own like, it. Yeah, exactly. Totally own it. In a cool way. But like everyone in Rogue Nation essentially is like, fuck is this guy? Well, He's that's, crazy. That's why I think Rogue Nation's the best one because they contextualize Tom Cruise the best. And it's the one film where they finally make Ethan Hunt into a character. Mm, Ghost Protocol's so good. Anyway. I like Ghost Protocol a lot. I think Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol's better set pieces. I think Rogue Nation's a better film. Um, but now Macquarie, Some people are like three best, which is weird. I know. Yeah. But now Macquarie's back and now he's, you know, he's doing Mission Impossible 6, which is... good. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing Mission Impossible Six. He which is, is the which first is time a break from tradition, over. but and they're okay. carrying over Rebecca I'll Ferguson, watch. and now it's going to become a little more serialized. But he's yeah, but clearly I, a guy I, who has options. Who's back I worry, as a director. you know, because I feel like that's what they did with Quantum of Solace, where they were like, yeah. "That was so good. We should continue the story right where we left it." Right. Right. Like, and I don't know, man. Like, surprise is a, a key element. And here's what's things. crazy for me too: is like. Then they were like, okay, new thing, Skyfall. And then everyone loved Skyfall, and they were like, oh, let's do that again. Yeah, I know. They made <laughs> the exact same Spectre mistake. Except like, they yeah. even made it bigger because they kept the director and everything. It, I know. Which made sense. It yeah. did make sense to bring Mendes back. Skyfall was special. Like, it made sense. But it also didn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, but is like a power player now. I mean, I think everyone's yeah, recognized that Macquarie is. Now, they should have recognized it with Jack Reacher. They should have. Because I, I'm like, you know what? I want to watch a fun little movie, and I never saw Jack Reacher, and I know some people like it, including Griffin Newman. Love it. And and I like Tom Cruise. I do. I, I'm sorry. I love him. I've always loved Tom Cruise. I always will. Yeah. And I do. I know he does all kinds of bizarre shit, and I know he's involved with a religion, quote-unquote religion, that you know terrorizes people. It makes no sense. Judaism. You want to describe my reaction to that joke? <laughs> Physical. David did. It was almost like the Home Alone face, but the hands were higher up on the face. Yeah, like my uh, my my palms were on my eyes. <laughs> yeah, it and was I like the of, monkey I doing see no evil. Twisted back, like and like went into a corner. Anyway, pained grimace, dismayed in this padded room we're in. He looked like Rainfield from Dracula. <laughs> we record in a padded cell, essentially. We do. It's yeah. true. Jack Reacher begins. With Jai Courtney. Uh-oh. I'm oh, like, no. no, no, no. I no. don't like Jai Courtney. We've talked about him on this podcast multiple times. This big-headed fool. Sack of, <laughs> handsome sack of potatoes. It does feel like a classic rookie move. Yeah. To open Shit, your phone Jai, Jai Courtney. Courtney. You're like, fuck. They got Jai again. God damn it. <laughs> now, I, I don't even, I feel like it's 2012, so this is probably the start of Jai Courtney's, like, Hollywood career. Uh, I think Good Day to Die Hard had come out that year, or oh. it came out right after, maybe. Oh. You know what? I think it came out right after. I think Jack Reacher was it, December, no, and Good Day year, to yeah. Die Hard came out February. Yeah. But this is what I remember. It's his first movie. It's oh, his really? first film, okay. apart from... Stone Bros. Yeah, He'd been fuck? in um thingy uh, as one of the Spartacus yeah. shows. Yeah. Uh, this is what I remember is when they announced they were doing a new Die Hard, and it was like John McClane and Son. Right. There was a studio shortlist of actors, and it was like five actors who were interesting ideas, and who the fuck is Jai Courtney? Yeah, right. Right. Uh, James Badge Dale was on that list. Liam Hemsworth was on that one. I mean, fuck that. Yeah. The guy I thought was really interesting, who I think would have been the choice, mm. was um. Aaron Paul. 
Yeah, he would have been fun. Yeah. Because I think that that movie was a piece of shit though, and it's probably good. That disaster, Paul wasn't disaster. Even but I'm saying anyway. if you're gonna try to do that, the whole point is don't pick a guy who's an action guy. That's what was cool about. We've sidetracked, but you're correct. Yes, right. because the whole problem with a good day to die hard is like, yeah, he's beefier than Bruce Willis. Right. Like who the fuck right? It should be Aaron Paul who's got a chip on his shoulder. Anyway, anyway, anyway. When they announced Jack Courtney, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? So I remember going to see. So you had him Jack in mind. You're like, okay, this guy's gonna his be in the next. His name comes up in the title, and I was like. Fuck is like, because even at the time it was like, this guy's got a dumb head. He's got a dumb, <laughs> stupid head. He's got the dumbest head yeah, I've I ever think seen. He is, he's sixth build. It's his. It's the best performance he's ever given. What do you? What do you yeah. like him in? Yeah. What do you? Yeah. Cons- no, what I, are you weighing in against? The water diviner. The water diviner, though. <laughs> that diviner, though. Yeah. The no. podcast diviner. That's the movie that Russell Crowe directed, right? Yeah. I haven't seen our it. next main series, by the way, is Russell Crowe. And we're just <laughs> One, doing the water diviner. In and out. Yeah. Because uh, I haven't seen, yeah, I haven't seen Unbroken. I've seen that he's not bad in it, but he's uh-huh. not good. He's like okay in it. Yeah, so I've seen him in. Uh, he's actively bad in Terminator. I've seen him in Terminator. I've seen him in. He's Suicide bad in Good Squad. Day. I think and I he's saw not... the first Divergent. Did I? I think I did. Oh, I haven't seen those. Yeah. I will say again, I think he would be good in a Suicide Squad that was good. I think he's kind of. He could be. I mean, whatever. Entertaining in that movie. He plays Charlie yeah. in this movie, who is an assassin. Yeah. He has a sniper rifle. Yeah. And he drives up to a in parking garage, takes out his sniper rifle. This is like a wordless first five and minutes. And then, like, of a, a film. 10. I mean, it's, it's five, I guess. It's, yeah. It feels so long because it's all told through. The lens of his scope, his through his scope, and let's talk about lensing. By the way, Caleb Deschanel, Caleb D, one of the greats. Oh, I love it when we get the D. Mac Daddy giving us the D, right? Caleb Deschanel, great cinematographer. He shot the right stuff. He shot the natural. He shot the Passion of the Christ. But here's the thing with Caleb D: doesn't work that much. No, it's a rare treat when we get the D. I know he's. You know, he, you know what he lensed this year? What rules don't apply. Oh, that see the that, Warren Beatty movie. That alone makes me more excited. Did you see the trailer for that thing I though? Where it was, I like the posters, and I was like, I was like, oh, this is about like shadowy Hollywood fifties shit. It won't be good, but at least. Yeah. And then you see the poster, and it's like, do 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 do. It's like Howard Hughes is sure weird, but he's gonna get these two cuties to like it. It's the stupidest trailer I ever saw. I'm hoping it's a movie that's impossible to cut a trailer. For. Quite possible because the trailers are so unfocused. They're I mean, selling gonna, that, but it, they're not coherent. He's not an easy director to cut a trailer. I mean, no, like, he's not. He also shot that movie three years ago. So they've had a hard time. He's been editing it forever. Who, yeah, who can say what's um, happened with that? Caleb one. D's great. We don't get the D a lot. Love that D. We get we get his daughters a lot, but we don't get him lens in a big a big screen. His picture. daughters are Zoe and and Bone Station and Bone Station now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, already, so we're seeing like you know for a sort of action programmer. Took a sesame seed off your phone. God, this is you want to know why we're the two friends? You want proof? Show mm. don't tell. Mm. Who's gonna fucking take a sesame seed off your Just iPhone screen? Lifted it off. Um. Already, the fucking cinematography in this film. It's gorgeous. It's really a gorgeous movie. It's really, guys, it's really a film that you should see. And, it's and a really good looking movie. Here's the other thing I like about Macquarie. You see it in Rogue Nation. You see it in this, okay? Every cut matters. Every shot matters. He oh, yeah, makes definitely. puzzle films, right? Edited by Kevin Stitt. They're very precise. Stitt. They're like clockwork, you yep. know? 
you look at the opera sequence in Rogue Nation, and you look at the opening of this, that opera and this very methodical, the process, the guns, the bullets, the loading up, there's a tension just, yeah. you know, here's this big-headed fuck. He's got a big head. I came here for Tom Cruise, there's no dialogue, He's here's some beaten, actor I don't even fucking know. He beat Dominic Purcell in Hollywood's big head competition that year. <laughs> Finally, Purcell got knocked off. It's a Dominic Purcell joke for you guys. Big Head Weekly. Um, <laughs> what a big head he has. Yeah. I can't believe he didn't get cast as Big Head on Silicon Valley. <laughs> um, Nelson Big Head Baghetti. I, I got you. Uh, so from my purview, when I'm watching the movie, I'm like, here's this guy who they're saying is going to be diehard. And from your purview watching this movie, you're like, here's this guy I already know I fucking I hate, hate him. And you're starting with him in the movie. And then like, also, it's a cool mystery where it's like, okay. He's just he's but he just starts shooting people. But this whole across, sequence yeah. is shot just from the scope of his rifle. Like once he sets the gun up, long, silent, no dialogue. The scope of the rifle. You see him like panning across like this promenade. Yeah, it's the Allegheny River, I think. It's in yeah. Pittsburgh, and he's yeah he's panning across the pond. He sees like there's people on a bench. Right. There's like a woman walking like you know with like a shopping bag or something. Like there's you know there's someone with a baby. Like and, yeah. and Macquarie takes the time because he wants these people to stick in your mind. You're seeing them the size of ants, right? But he like dresses them well enough. He gives them strong enough action. Mm-hmm. He pairs them off. The behaviorally you remember like here's the mother, here's the guy on the bench, here's this, right? Right. And there's like at least ninety seconds before any bullets are fired. Yeah. Where you're just like, who's he looking yeah, for? This who's crucial he thing where he, he puts a quarter in the parking meter. Right. So you know he has 15 minutes or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Scanning, scanning, scanning. Who's he looking for? And then he just starts shooting everybody. Yeah. Uh, methodically killing everybody. It's very brutal. It's very good. Uh, it seems random. You don't understand what he's doing. You it's know, like nine people? Uh, five people. Okay. He kills five people. Yeah. Uh, he misses a couple of times, I think. Or maybe just or once, he? or does it? Well, this yeah. is the thing, right? So, all right, it's great. We we can't we have we can't just sum up the plots of no, both but the of opening, these but the opening, the opening is just so movie. crucial, right? So then we go to they they find Cut to Detective Emerson, right? Played by David Yellowwood. Oh God, this movie's fucking rolling with a stacked supporting yeah, cast. You know, I almost said played by Academy Award nominee David Yellowwood. What a bummer! Isn't. And I know. It's a real bummer. And here's the other thing: a Yellowwell on the rise. I mean, he's the anti-Jai Courtney. He was this guy who was starting to book parts, and it was like, "Who's this a Yellowwell guy?" The weirdest. Okay, so the weirdest thing about a Yellowwell, and I've interviewed him. He's a lovely man. Uh-huh. Uh, he was on this show called Spooks, which uh, yeah. the Americans know as MI5 because they didn't want to call it Spooks uh-huh. in this country, understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, which was like a spy show in the UK that also had Matthew McFadden and Keely Hawes and a lot of cool actors. Peter Firth. Um, he was awesome on it. Very cute. He's a, he's 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 cute, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he got killed off on Spooks because he wanted to leave the show, so mm-hmm. they they killed him off. And we, me, I remember being like, "Oh, that's too bad," because I don't know that this, you know, what the fourth lead from Spooks. And then he just starts popping up, doing impeccable American accents. Yeah. He's in what's he in? He's in Last King of Scotland. He's in. Uh, he's uh, in Rise of the Planet. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Of the Apes. Mm-hmm. He's in The Help for a minute. He's a yeah. preacher in that movie. I think. Yeah, he's pretty good in that. And he's in uh, notably. He's in Red Tails. Uh, yes. Produced by Big Which, Bad, Big Bad George Lucas. More and more is like the most well cast movie. It's true. They just couldn't make it gel, but it's such a good like. Cast but they thing. had Michael B. Jordan. They had a yellow. They had all yeah, these guys. Know, yeah. You know, right before they popped. Um, they had Cuba right before he was going to pop again. Yeah. Terrence Howard right, right before, before he was going to pop again. again. It's true. It's crazy. That movie, the cast is insane. Uh, Nate Parker right before he imploded. 
Yeah. Ooh. But almost popped. Oh boy, let's not talk about that. Nope. Uh, uh He's in Lincoln this year, and right. this year also he's in Middle of Nowhere, which is Ava DuVernay's first movie and is really worth seeing. Well, Fantastic these are the two movie. Key films. So he does Middle of Nowhere with mm-hmm. Ava DuVernay. Which right? he gets like an Indie Spirit nomination for. He's and he does The Paperboy with Lee Daniels. He does. That's right. Lee Daniels is at that point in time attached to do Selma. Yeah. And he goes, I got the guy to play MLK. Yeah. And he sells Paramount on a yellow being MLK. And then, then so the, the script passes over to uh, Ava, Ava DuVernay. Well, she reworks it and stuff. No, but here's what happens. Okay. Tell me what happened. He pitches a yellow to Paramount. Paramount's like, yup, good uh-huh. go. Lee Daniels leaves Selma. They're like, I guess the movie's not happening. And a yellow like, I got a director for you. Because he had made middle A yellow right? gets Ava DuVernay hired. And, and, and pretty, she reworks it and I think makes it yeah. better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She reworks the whole thing. But it's pretty impressive for someone who wasn't a star at that point to be able to retain Amen. the lead character. Because he's so fucking good. Dude rules. He's so fucking good. He's also, he also in, in the, the Butler. Yeah, in I was gonna say, he's really good in the Butler. Love him. He's great in Most Violent Year. He's great in Queen of Queen of Cotway, right? Oh I haven't my God. I haven't that seen movie that but fucking you were rules. Can about I just it? can I do 30 second sidebar? Go see <laughs> fucking Queen of Cotway. It's barely still in theaters. Disney dumped it. It's the loveliest fucking movie. It's epic humanist storytelling. It rules. Spoiler alert. I can't foresee a situation in which a yellow o doesn't get one of my five blanky nominations for best actor. Yeah. He rules in that movie. Movie rules, go see Queen of Cotway if you want to fucking like humanity. So here's what happens. Detective Emerson, played by David Yellowell, shows up at this crime scene. He finds a quarter used to pay for parking, lifts a fingerprint from it. Whoa. Once again, the movie's still wordless. We're what just a watching smart him it's walk true. onto Word- this. It's wordless. We're not saying that. There's no talking. None. Just crisp lensing from the D. You're just getting a deep D. They lift a fingerprint from the quarter. It points to an army sniper who we've been cutting to making bullets in his mm-hmm. uh, in his basement. Played by his name. Uh, Joseph Sikora is, is a great good character actor. actor. Good actor. He played one of the um, white supremacists on True Detective, that famous like uh, six-minute yeah, continuous shot sequence. Yeah. He's the guy with the mustache. He's a really good character. He's he, great. So he's a former sniper. Yeah. That's why the military police would be involved, I guess. I don't know. Um they like David, what am I doing? Yeah, you're reaching. Um they <laughs> they arrest him and like it because it all seems perfect, right? His fingerprints on the thing, he's like a sniper, yeah. he's making bullets in his right. basement. They arrest him. He uh doesn't say anything. Uh-huh. Writes on his notepad, right? They give him a legal pad. But they beat the shit out of him? Because he goes into a coma. No, he goes into a coma after he does this. Okay. He writes on a legal pad. Yes. Get Jack Reacher. Yeah. And then when Reacher shows up, he's in a coma. Right. Or he's about to. Okay. So then, David Yell, I, I swear we're not going to go through the entire movie, but the reason we're going this in depth is because well, this movie has the best setup in history, right? Yeah, this is the thing. This is all the first 20 minutes, and it's really beautiful. How and who are we not seeing at this point? Jack Reacher? David, tell him what I'm doing. He's, he's miming masturbation and, I guess, reaching. I'm Jack and Henry. Yeah. yeah. He was doing this a lot at the screening on and it was uh, And everyone loved it. it the audience applauded. They, they turned not. around. They shone flashlights in my face, okay? So there's a scene we now have That's a good sigh from Ben on the pod. <laughs> good sigh, Ben. Nice sigh. Academy Award nominee Rosamund Pike. Uh, Academy Award nominee Ben Hosling. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rosamund oh, who, who Rosamund who's not yet an Academy Award nominee. Right. And then we have uh Academy Award nominee Richard Jenkins. <sighs> The greatest. He's the DA. Right. He's prosecuting this fucker. She's his daughter. 
She's his daughter, although we don't realize that anyway, uh, immediately, but yeah. we, we realize it pretty quickly. And she's been assigned the unenviable task of defending a man who basically is, you know, been... They're like open and shut. Yeah. This is done, right? And then they're like, he did write down the one thing on the note. This is pretty much the first dialogue scene we're getting in the movie, and it's maybe yeah. 15 minutes in, right? Sure. And it's like, who the fuck is Jack Reacher? Okay? I just want to read some of this Okay, right you Because I found it. this. Okay, all right, good. Who the hell is Jack Reacher? Jack Reacher. Born Jack. <laughs> Not John. No middle name. He's a ghost. No driver's license, current or expired. No residence, current or former. No credit cards, no credit history, no P.O. box, cell phone, email, nothing. And she goes, can you at least tell me who he is? No, I can tell you who he was. Blood military, born and raised on bases around. Mother was a French national, father in the court. His first trip to the United States was to attend West Point. Four years later, he ships out for good. Iraq, Afghanistan, Balkans, you name it. Served with distinction, Silver Star, Bright Star, Legion of Merit. Defiant, Defense Superior Service Medal, have to look that one up, and a Purple Heart. Spend the bulk of his service, military police, brilliant investigator, probably a troublemaker too, demoted to captain, vouched his way back to major, and two years ago he resigns. After a literal lifetime in the military, he just up and quits, and then for only the second time in his life, he enters the United States and simply disappears. She goes, dead maybe? Not according to Social Security and a bank account in Virginia. His pension is deposited monthly, and someone is making the occasional withdrawal. All wire transfers. Can't find out where a federal warrant we can't drive or fly at least under his real name any warrants record is clean oh come on guys this is hard to find I, I it's hard to this is like fucking transcribed from the thing and there are a lot of typos yeah. the point is they give this fucking speech it's and great. They just this go is a yellow woe is giving this speech doing a great job and under this we're seeing jack reacher in shadows yeah right? yeah he wakes up in bed next to a beautiful woman yeah. oh right tom cruise is straight yeah that's the he wears that uncomfortably in this movie, I would say. Right? Yes. And then he, like, goes to a Goodwill, and he takes the clothes off his back. He that's, buys a new outfit. He donates the old outfit. That's no comment on Tom Cruise's personal life, just his performance in the film. I just it, He doesn't have a lot of chemistry with either the women in either of his movies. No. Yeah. Throws out his cell phone. You're seeing him on the Greyhound yeah. bus. It's like, this guy's like a fucking ghost. Yeah. And they go through this whole speech about how insane he is and how, like, untrackable he right. is. Right. And they go, so how do we find him? And they go, you don't. Right. Knock, 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 knock. Uh, sir, I have a Jack Reacher here to see you. Boom. Best movie of all time. <laughs> right? It's true. And now at minute 15, Jack Reacher like, Yes, answers. yes, who is he? I want to know. That, it's, that it's speech goes a, on four times longer than what I read. It's such a tease. Like yeah. It's such a great tease for the audience where the minute he walks in, yes, it's Tom Cruise. Yeah. We've seen Tom Cruise before. He's a little, little short, you know, a little, looks a little stocky these yeah. days. You shouldn't be excited. But it has, after 30 years of Tom Cruise, you're still like, I want to see, where is he? Ranger! I want to see Jack Ranger! But here's the other key, okay? Because from yep. this point on, Jack Reacher teams up with Roseman Pike. They're trying to clear the name. She's like, it's open and shut. This guy did it. Jack Reacher's like, no, he didn't. And it's like a fucking, it's a, it's a mystery, right? Sure. You have scenes with Jack Reacher at a bar. He says, explains how he's going to beat everyone up. He does it. He does some fucking cool car chases. Turns out the guy at the head of the pyramid is... Fucking Werner Herzog, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah, I was going to say, we got to get to right. that. But at this point, the movie's pretty but standard about It's cool, the though, because it's one of the, he's like a magic man. Right. It's like, Reacher doesn't believe this guy is innocent because yeah. he knows this guy from Afghanistan where he was kind of like a cold-blooded psychopath. Right. Reacher tried to put him away. That's why the guy called for him because yeah. he knew if anyone was going to get him out of this frame job, it was Jack fucking Reacher. The one guy who tried to get him. Exactly. In the cell. And so it's like, I would say it's like a lot of mysteries, uh, mystery movies, like it's pretty formulaic in terms of just how it plays out, where it's like Reacher's like, no, no, this this guy did it. I believe it. He did it. 
Yeah. He makes Rosamund Pike like talk to the victims. You yeah. know, he seems to have this weird sort of like, you know, kind of raging morality where he's just like, he's very angry that people are dead. Well, here's and the he's thing. He's angry that this guy is out and about. He feels like he failed, like that this guy, you know, could do this again. It's two things at but, the same time. He he has a raging morality, but he also uh, is condescending to literally everyone he ever comes into communication with. Jack Reacher is like very superior to everybody, you know, in a very quiet, calm way. He thinks everyone else is like a fucking noob. Yeah, but something's something's eventually clicking for him. Oh yeah, I mean, okay, you're doing the reaching thing again. Yeah, this is last name, uh, and of course he starts to dig. And no, it's a sinister conspiracy, masterminded by a Russian man called the Zek. Right, which means the prisoner. The prisoner, yeah. who is a uh, Werner Herzog. Yeah, with with one eye gone, He's got a milky He's missing eye. an eye. He's right, he has one eye. eye. Good, right? Yeah. My least favorite kind of eye. He has no milky. fingers, or at least he's missing several fingers. I think he's maybe got none. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it. He's let me, low on fingers. Let me count my head. I think he's got zero fingers left. Uh, and uh, he doesn't do a lot. But God, is he good? He's fantastic. And I feel like at the time there was some talk, you know, among critics of like. Yeah, Jack Reacher's no good. It's weird that Bernard Herzog plays the villain. And then, like, that was kind of they all. Like, like they I mean, acknowledged it. It is weird, but it's, look, he's incredible. It's not like Werner Herzog's, like, a massive star, but they did not really promote that he was in the movie at all, which was odd, right? Because he's the master. Like, he's the big bad in the movie. Yeah. He has this amazing monologue where he uh, talks about, he explains the finger thing. Yeah. He tests one of his like underlings. Yeah, he's from uh like some Siberian gulag right. or whatever. And yeah, he he's it's like, about, like how Oh right, no, it's your Ma- role to survive. Michael yeah. Raymond James, who's a great actor, he's on Terriers mm-hmm. and he's in the first season of True Blood, um mm-hmm. is one of his henchmen who like botches the job of killing Reacher, Rosamund Pike, sure. somebody, I can't remember. And so he's like, you must cut off your... F- I can't do Bernard. No, you have, you have to eat them off. He like tells a story off, about right. how he was stuck in the top of a mountain and his other the other guys died, but he survived because he ate his own fingers for nourishment. Right. And it's like, either I shoot you or you eat the finger. And the guy's like, do you have a knife? And he's like, I did not have a knife when I was on the mountain. <laughs> you know, he gives the very Werner Herzog speech. You should get PFD like, in here, man. Right. Do I, some Werner. Uh, yeah. I was stuck on the mountain. I did what I had to do yeah. to survive. Yeah. Which the crazy thing, I don't know if you know this, that speech was not in the script. No, he was just chatting. That was actually uh, an off-camera conversation. A that PA, they, they just had someone running some film. Yeah. That's the thing. A PA came up to Werner Herzog and was like, hey, Werner, uh, we just broke for lunch. Uh, so if you want, Crafty's over there. And he was like, I do not need to eat when I was stuck in a mountain in Siberia. <laughs> Jack rolled like <laughs> Yo, Caleb. Yeah, Caleb. Caleb Get the D in here. Caleb. Start rolling. I did what I had to do to survive. Uh, an amazing, amazing performance, right? Yeah. And it's like the beauty of it is here's Tom Cruise, who's all about like movie star, like obfuscation. You know, like here's like you know he he wants to create the image of what he is, and here's like mm. Werner Herzog, who is like a violent realist. Yeah, absolutely. you know the reality of the world, right? And how like terrifies and 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 scares and and frightens and right. also draws him in. Yeah. And here's a movie that's leading to the two of them coming face to face and right. Tom Cruise who's like all movie star smoke and mirrors. Absolutely. And Werner Herzog who's just like <laughs> Yeah. And that's what fatalistic documentary which is, filmmaker. What's kind of awesome about him as the villain. Yes. He doesn't 
ever kill anyone or no. do anything. No. He stands in one scene, he sits in another, yeah. he talks, right, and he has some sort of magical control over a lot of the people in the movie, Jai Courtney, right. spoiler alert. Seriously, guys, if you want to watch the movie, go watch the movie. Yeah. Just go watch the movie. Spoiler alert, David Yellowo. Right. And they do a nice fake out, too, where they, they make do. you think that they Jenkins. They make you think it's Jenkins, yeah. but I knew it wasn't Jenkins because it's too obvious. Too decent. He's got beautiful um, baby boys. Yeah, big old Jenkins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> big old I Jenkins. Don't, I don't know why I called him that. Big Dick Jenkins. Yeah, Big Dick Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, but, um, uh, and it's all through performance. Right. And it, it's, you know, it works. I mean, he's, it works. of course, he, of course he has. He's fucking psych- he's psychic. He's, and, he's the greatest. Yeah. And the final know, showdown, he's, he's just sitting in a chair in a yep. tractor trailer. Like, yep. it, you know. The final showdown is great. I would say, like, the action sequence itself. Like, yeah. her Reacher driving the car into the quarry. But, like, it is such an, a 70s or yeah. 80s, whatever, Hollywood. Actually, they, a quarry? Like, it's <laughs> it's so lo-fi. Like, there are no big set pieces. He's not hanging I mean, off a plane no. or jumping from the Burj Dubai or whatever. No. You know, like, it's just like... He drives his car to a car. He kills like six people. Jack maybe. Reacher punches people. And he drives a car well. Yeah, you know, that's he the... gives the speech about I mean to drink your blood from a boot. Right. There's also that great sequence in the middle where he gets in the bar fight where they're trying to. They've been hired to kill him. Yeah, that's which we talked about already. Where he's like, "You right. wanted this." And he's then he... condescending to everyone. He's kind of a dick. He doesn't understand humanity, and he's like an immovable force. Right? Yeah, I called him in my review, which you should read. Uh, on the Atlantic.com of Never Go Back, of the sequel, I called him an oblong hulk, <laughs> which yes. I thought was good. I think you nailed it on that one, okay? <laughs> he's sort of small, but he's also big. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, literally, my only complaint about the first movie is that he doesn't punch Werner Herzog in the face. No, well, but the end is great where he they've got him. I just want one shot of Tom Cruise punching Werner Herzog for I, history. I know. For, like, the I, national, no. you know, I'm not with you. You know what? The Library of Art Congress should triumph. have that. Art must triumph, and the way it ends is beautiful. Which is, the Zach is like, yes, you have defeated me, but who who gives a shit? And I go to prison. Like, I don't know. Like, he sort of lays out for Reacher, like, I might not even get convicted. You don't have a lot. You killed all the witnesses. Right. Because you're crazy. Yeah, because you're fucking. And Reacher is essentially like, you're right. Bam. Shoots him in the face. And he's like, I'm out of here. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the the end of the movie. And just as quickly, he was gone. Jack Reacher is fucking the man with no name. You know? Like, these are Westerns. These are modern day Westerns. They can't find him. No one can call him, but he shows up when they need him. Yes. And just as quickly as his job is done, he disappears. And the best thing about the movie, or one not the best, but a cool thing about the movie is that at the end, uh, Barr, the guy who's framed, yeah. you know, the sniper who was framed, and is innocent of this, yeah. these crimes. The crimes were committed because they were killing one person, right? and the others were all like collateral damage to make it look like a random Yeah, which is murder, great. Which is great. It's a cover. Yeah. Um, uh, he ex- he confesses anyway and goes to prison for the crime because he's more afraid of not confessing because he then he thinks Jack Reacher will just fucking kill him anyway. Yeah. Jack Reacher, go see it. It's long. Yeah, it's, it's like two ten. It's two fifteen. Two hours and ten minutes long. Yeah. It's a little slow at times. It doesn't matter. It's great. It rules. I'll say it gets better the second time. Yeah. I saw it in theaters. I saw it with my friend Alex Perlin, who like we just go see a movie almost every weekend. We were like, what haven't we seen? I guess Jack Reacher. Like, we kind of went indifferently. Sure. I was like, this is surprisingly good. And then I watched it on Netflix with friends, like, a couple months later, and I was like, well, no, wait, this movie rules. Like, this movie's the number one best. Um, modest success. He kept on Drinking saying that he wanted to make a, a, a into a franchise, but it seemed like maybe that wouldn't happen, right? It didn't seem like it made enough money. In between Reacher and Reacher 2, he makes Oblivion. Which did well. Was hated. No, it made eighty nine on a hundred twenty million budget overseas. And, uh, overseas, it made two hundred. So you know, it two hundred eighty six. 
it did it did okay, but yeah. certainly no one's excited about that. Oblivion's a fascinating movie, and I would love to talk about it sometime. Have you ever seen it? No. Yeah, it's concept art. The movie is the best way to put that. It Melissa sounds Leo, like Tron Legacy. Exactly, Melissa, but but I like both those movies. Like I like certain things about both those movies. Uh, he's Melissa, Melissa yeah. Leo plays a tetrahedron. Oh, cool! I will watch it then. Um, she literally plays an evil tetrahedron. Cool. Yeah. Uh, hey, and how then, about uh, Edge of Tomorrow? Well, Guys, uh, the, the, the fucking then, best. Which Macquarie which punches is a, up? A fantastic yeah. film. And I think he's credited as a writer on that, right? Uh, yes, along with the Butterworths. Right, but by all accounts, Macquarie is the one who really elevated that script. So goes based the on a Japanese manga called "All You Need Is Kill." Yeah, uh, or maybe not a manga. It's like a novel. It's like an illustrated novel or something. I think it's, a it's different like a. It, there's a term that's like a light novel or something. Like it's that, a yeah. bad name. Not the best name. Yeah, it's sort of forgettable right away. You're talking about Edge of Tomorrow: Colon Live Die Repeat: Colon All You Need Is Kill. Uh huh. Yeah. Colon Groundhog War. Uh, that movie's the best. Uh, I love that movie. It would be in my top ten of. 2014, Emily Blunt's incredible in it. It's the rare movie where Tom Cruise lets himself be just like a charming motherfucker, like, you know, a, a lovable jerk, you know, like, kind of like an old 90s Tom Cruise performance. I think it's Tom Cruise's number one best performance of all time. No, Jerry Maguire. Um, but it's up there. That's my three. Jeremy Magnolia's my two. He's great, great Magnolia, but uh, he's great. Magnolia. What a performance that is. Yeah. I don't even care. It's great. I don't even care. I don't even care. I don't even care. Um, and then Rogue, Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation uh, last year. Great. Yeah. This yeah. year, what's his movie? Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. Ooh, really, Tom? We're going back to that well? You I, yourself said Never Go Back in the title. Well, yeah. yes. Macquarie, not on this, because Macquarie is now a Mission Impossible man. So who does he get? Joel Zwick? No, Ed, Ed Zwick. What are you oh, talking about, Joel, Joel Zwick? Zwick? That is somebody. Right? Now I have to look him up. Joel Zwick is a director who does TV, but he directed My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And the Fat Albert movie. That's correct. There we go. And something called Second Sight. He might John have... Larroquette and Bronson oh, Pinochet or whatever. He might have been a better choice for Jack Reacher Never Go Back. Because despite popular misconception, according to Wikipedia, not related to Edward Zwick. Oh, okay. No, so Cruz brings in for Jack Reacher Never Go Back. I guess Macquarie's busy on yeah. Mission Impossible, which yeah. is too bad, because I'd love to see him come back. Me too. There's puns to be made here. Yeah. But he goes, Cruz goes to the guy who made The Last Samurai with him, Edward Zwick. Everyone's favorite Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> Nobody's sake! Uh, bad movie. Bad movie. Bad director. Bad director. Here's here's some Zwicks. Glory. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, sort of like a decent Oscar y kind of movie. Uh-huh. Right? Glory's like a decent. He's made probably a probably his best film, right? Uh, Legends of the Fall. Uh huh. I haven't seen that. I think it's pretty. It's supposed to be pretty. Courage under Courage Under Fire. Yeah. Uh The Siege. Ugh. These are some shitty movies, yeah. man. They're movies. all like movies with big stars like Denzel yeah. is in Courage Under Fire and The Siege. Uh, and glory, you know, like um, Brad Pitt's in Legends of Fall, Anthony Hopkins. Like, he would get these big budgets, these big epic stories, and he'd always like tell them, okay. Like, it wasn't even like the worst movie you ever saw. It was just like, why did why did I waste two and a half hours? Like, the Oscars aren't gonna like, you know. And we were arguing about this the other night after seeing the movie. I think pretty much every Zwick movie 
has failed to meet has expectations. Has been like an underperformer. I think even that's the ones not true that did well, right, but the the others you're basically right. I think the bar is always of expectations is always higher that like oh this is going to be his best picture play. This is going to be a full on blockbuster. And even like last time I did one fourteen, but I remember people being like, "It's probably gonna make like two hundred, you know." Mm-hmm. I think that was also a little not not to beef with Cruz, but it was a little on Cruz because that was when yeah he was getting into some, some he was getting into shit. trouble yeah he was getting the danger zone. Um, um, but you're right, all his movies are kind of flops. Like Legends of the Fall made sixty six million, and that's the highest grossing movie he made before. Uh, it's still his second highest grosser. The only hit he's made is Last Samurai. Yeah. After last summer, he makes Blood Diamond, which is sort of not enough of a hit, but gets some Oscar noms. Like, yeah. and, I don't know. I guess it it's on cable a lot, right? Right. He makes Defiance. And it's serious. And he makes Defiance, which Total I remember. non-starter. I was so pumped for because I was yeah. like, yeah, give me Daniel Craig, the mean Jew again. Like, yeah. I love it. Gun-toting Jew <laughs> Daniel Craig. But uh, no, it's a crappy movie. Nobody yeah. watches it. And he makes Love and Other Drugs. Which is really horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. Have horrendous. you seen that film? Yes. <sighs> Hate that movie. Yeah. Like another Oscar play that's like a weepy plus a sex comedy, it sucks. Well, that's like Gad's giving a performance out of like American Pie Seven. Yeah, yeah. And then meanwhile, like uh, Hathaway's in Love Story. You know, yeah, absolutely. It's a totally and it's, it's like making this point about like you know, drugs are too expensive in America. Like I feel it's trying yeah. to have all kinds of cake and eat it all. And it's it. neither funny nor poignant. I don't find it particularly sexy, despite starring two attractive people who are naked a lot. Sure, exactly. It's, it's not, not a good movie. It's not sexy. And then, Pawn Sacrifice. Oh, right. Jesus Christ. Which I is forgot. kind of an interesting movie, much better than the other movies we're talking about, though not good. I cited it as the most okay movie of 2015. Uh, just weird, abrasive. Yeah. Half committed to this idea. It's a movie about Bobby Fischer. That, that like, you know, Bobby Fischer was a really impossible person. Mm-hmm. Like. Got a lot of good performances. A couple in his really strong cast, like Michael Stuhlbarg and Peter Sarsgaard. Schreiber's good. Schreiber's great. Yeah, uh, but certainly that 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 thing vanished without a trace. I mean, disappeared. Yeah, disappeared. And now he does the thing he promised he would never do. He goes back. He's slumming it. A he's little slumming bit. it for him. He's slumming it. Now I was excited yeah, by him. We slumming. were like, hey, maybe slumming it is what he's always needed to because do. Because I think right. he's always failed by getting by delusions of grandeur. I think Zwick has always thought that he was a more important filmmaker than he was and comes up with these sort of lofty ambitions and falls short, right? Right. And I was like, maybe if he just tries to hit a double, yeah, he can elevate the material a little bit, you know? Yeah. He can pull like a Macquarie. But man, does this movie feel like he was just trying to qualify for another year of DGA health? <laughs> yeah, that was, your, that was your joke. I'm going to repeat a lot of jokes I made after the screening. That's fine. The other thing was, within five minutes of the movie starting, I turned to you and I said, this feels like the seventh Jack Reacher movie, which you used in your review. I did. I stole it. Um, it's fine. Yeah, I stole it from you without asking. Um, totally fine. But it we're does. I mean, it does. It really. It, but it, it's one of those things where we're we're fine with what's going on because we saw Jack Reacher recently. Right. And we like the movie. But you have to assume most Come people on. aren't as primed and ready and, and buttered up like for this. The, well, you know, the other one, which is based on the novel One Shot, that's more of your standard, like, cool mystery. Which, by the way, is not the first Jack Reacher book. They just picked the best yeah, one. Yeah, they just picked a good one. Right. This one, which is also, it's like the 15th Jack Reacher. It's the 18th, maybe? I can't yeah. even remember. It's the 18th of This 21. one's set in, like, the bowels of military bureaucracy. <sighs> yeah. It's like, he's becomes, like, phone friends with Kobe <sighs> Smulders, who yeah. plays Susan Turner, who's, like, the woman who replaced him 
at his old battalion or whatever. Because well, let's just say the movie once again starts off well, but with a fatal mistake. The opening of the film is so cool. And it's not, it's Oliver Wood. It's not Deschanel. We're not getting the D. But Oliver Wood's all right. Yeah, he's good, but we're not getting the D. Let's just yeah. call it like we see okay. it, right? I like Oliver Wood. He's I do too, but we're not getting the D. I think Oliver Wood's cool. Yeah, no, we're not getting the D. Okay. Iris in on a diner. Cops pulling up. They're like, what's going on? Fight here. How many, you know, what, whatever. They go, it's one guy. He's still sitting. He took them all out. He's just sitting there. Right. And he's sitting there and you see Cruz from behind. He's this wearing is, the jacket. This was in the trailers. Right. Yeah. He looks fucking great. And they're like, why don't you come with us, sir? And he's like, two things are about to happen. That phone's going to ring. And then you're going to walk out of here wearing those handcuffs. And then he fucking calls a shot. It's great. And it he was a setup. He points at the phone and it rings. I mean, right. I, in my review, I called him like, he's like the Fonz or whatever. Like, right. it's like he just sort of conjures justice from nothing. Right. Like, it's very cool. But it feels like, okay, good start. The phone rings and it's like the, the sheriff's been doing human trafficking or something and Reacher busted it up. Like, right, I don't know. That's well, that's what the it, thing that's great about Jack we're Reacher. We're like at the end of a Jack Reacher mystery. Right. Yeah. And right. the thing that's great about Jack Reacher is he's borderline magical. You know? He's also a maniac. Yeah. And he's, he's like a monster and he's terrifying. Yeah. But this is the fatal mistake the movie makes, is I think the first movie is so smart to spend the first 15 minutes without Jack Reacher. Mm-hmm. Right? To get you first invested Setting in the mystery. Setting up your crime. Yeah. Then introduce you to the people in the office. Yellowwell, Jenkins, Pike, three ringers. Three yeah, actors we trust. this movie doesn't have no ringers. I mean, I like Smolders, but apart from that. But they give us three characters to sort of identify with before Reacher comes in, and they already explain to us who Reacher is. So by the time we meet him, we're like, he's not going to change. He's an immovable force. You know? Sure. He doesn't represent the human condition in any way. Sure. We're mostly associating with Pike, who's joining him on this journey, and we're relating to her marveling at, like, who the fuck is this guy? Right. Right? This movie starts with Jack Reacher, which is cool. But then it's like, oh, shit, they're going to make him the audience surrogate character. Right. Which is a nightmare decision. Very bad decision. So then it's he's calling in, you know, the cases to Kobe Smulders, who's his, like, pen pal. Yeah. And you're like, okay, it's a nice relationship. They're sort of similar professionals. She's kind of a female Jack Reacher, except yeah, not scary. Yeah, she's sort of hard-edged, but not as right. And we said, you know, like, Game Recognized Game, Cruz has been picking really good leading ladies lately. Pike? Blunt, Blunt, Ferguson. Ferguson. These women who are great actresses and are kind of giving awesome character actress performances of a Tom Cruise type. They don't have the same inherent scariness, but they're able to do a more likable version of the Tom Cruise, like, hyper-focused laser beam, you know, kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, And the blade hands running. Yes. Yes. My favorite. He always does a Robert Patrick running. Yeah. Um, So she's good in this. Shout out to Hannah Blackman. Pointed that out. Yes. Shout out to Hannah Blackman. Yeah. Um, apologies because I said I was going to go see this movie with her before the screening came up. Nah, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, I'm a piece of shit. Um, she's good in this, but here's like another problem that becomes apparent when we're watching the movie and just the fucking opening credits happen. No one else in the supporting cast of this movie. Yeah. The first one, we didn't even fucking mention the Bob DeVal's in it. Oh, shit. Yeah, Bob DeVal is in the first Jack Reacher, and he's wonderful. He comes in the last he's the half guy, hour. He's the guy he who runs a sniper range. It's yeah. great. He, he helps out. Up with, yeah. He's, like, blind, and he helps yeah. out Jack Reacher take out Jai Courtney, and it's fantastic. Yeah, and he fucking and rules. fantastic. Yeah, we got, like, a great fucking cast in that movie, and this one, it's, like, Tom Cruise, Colby Smulders. You're like, all right, all right, let's go. And then it's, like, Aldous Hodge. Who I like oh, plays the, the MC Ren Leverage? in Straight Outta Compton. He was <laughs> yeah, the right. seventh lead in Straight Outta Compton, right? <laughs> he was Voodoo Tatum, uh, or Taylor, Voodoo Tatum, I think, on Friday Night Lights. Good actor, but, Love like, him. I think he has a great presence. You're like, oh, he's third build? Yeah, I don't know if I want him third build, but whatever. Right. Patrick Hoosinger. Yeah, what? What? 
Danica Yarosh. Huh? <laughs> Holt McElhaney. Right, where you're like, that's... Uh, uh, yeah. I, don't think I, I think I want him splitting a title card. Well, here's the other thing. like Austin Hebert. Holt McElhaney being... These are some weird names. Holt McElhaney, yeah, uh, yes. Holt McElhaney being sixth or seventh build sounds about right, but you want everyone between Tom Cruise and Holt McElhaney to be impressive. Yeah. And then when you're like, Tom Cruise, Colby Smulders, <laughs> Holt McElhaney. Yeah. And it's like, wait, why wasn't he third build? Like, he's the third biggest name here, and even that is, like, generous. He's not a... He's not big. There's no and on this film, which is like a bummer. I was like, okay, supporting cast in that stack, but there's going to be and. No. Ron you know? Robert Napper. Right. Yeah. Who's just like such a stock kind of like bad guy in this type of movie that you're like, oh, yeah. fuck. You know? Um. So the supporting cast, and then the main like grunt who's playing like the Jai Courtney sort of equivalent part makes you long for the days of Jai Courtney. You really, you want old potato head back. You want old potato head back. Uh, Patrick Husinger. Yeah. Who... Uh, he's apparently he played a rich gentleman in Black Swan. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> yeah, he's been in like twelve movies I've played seen. Played a guy called Patch in Francis Ha. Sure, I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you I guess. can't prove that he didn't. Uh, and he's been in some some TV shows like Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. Uh, okay. He had a four episode run in Gossip Girl as Lord Marcus Beaton. Oh, that sounds cool, actually. Yeah, he's a nobody. And it shows. It he feels like a nobody. And every time he, he plays comes on the screen, the hunter who is like the main villain. But who fucking cares? And every time he comes on screen, you're like, oh, that's that guy. Okay, because he looks. He has the most no face face I've ever. seen. He really seen. does. He's handsomeish. You know, sort of a tall guy. Nothing. And look, like he, he's a totally acceptable actor, but he leaves no impression. This character's underwritten. He himself isn't that distinctive. The right? idea is that he's sort of like Reacher. He's like an ex-military guy, but yeah, he went bad. And right. He's sort of fascinated by Reacher. But what, wants to kill him. what the movie kind of sets up is that, like, Colby Smalls is, like, one tie to reality. He's, like, passing through town. He's like, oh, let me go check in on her. He gets there. Holt McElhinney's there. He's like, where's he's my friend? He's looking for a bank, by the way. Right. He wants oh, a bank. Oh, clearly. He, he's looking it's for a thirst a, trap. A hookup. It's a thirst Because he keeps on going, like, what if I took you out to dinner? You yeah, know? and she's like, yeah, we'll see. You know. We'll drink out of a boot. <laughs> he shows up. She's been put in prison, framed for espionage. Right. He breaks her out of prison. The rest of the movie's a chase movie. Which is the opposite of what we want. We want him fucking solving a mystery, exactly. which he's not really doing in this. Not especially, because the mystery is these, I mean, whatever, spoiler alert, these guys are running some guns. Right, and she's another Jack Reacher, so she doesn't serve as like a counterpoint in the same way that Pike did, you yeah, know? Absolutely, no. There's a lot of fighting between them where she's like, you have to take me seriously, and he's kind of like, I don't know. I, I don't take alone. anyone seriously. I'm yeah. Jack Reacher. I hate everybody. She's like, I hate is it because I'm a woman? And he's like, like, mm, maybe. No, it's because you're not Jack Reacher. Yeah, it's more that. But he's sort of, at least they acknowledge it. That one scene's almost interesting. Almost. Because she's good. She's good. There's an interesting scene early on where they, like, retire to a hotel to, to hide out. And she's topless. Like, and, he, she's, and then she's he in gets a bra, topless. And he takes his shirt off, too. And it's very non-sexual. Which like, I love. They're just, it's like they're two military, like, grunts who are, like, two GIs who are, like, debriefing after something. You know, Which pointed out, there's a lot of sexual tension in Rogue Nation, but he and Rebecca Ferguson never kiss, and it almost feels like the attraction is more, like, game-recognized game. Sure. Like, and this is you're similar. equivalent in power to me. And even uh, Edge of Tomorrow is sort of the same thing. They have the kiss, but the kiss is kind of a, like, well, we're about to die, so why not moment. Right. Um, his, his leading ladies now, he doesn't really have relationships with. They're just sort of, like, peers. Which I like. Yeah, I mean, he's 20 years older than Kobe. Right. The movie says claims that Jack Reacher's in his 40s. Yeah. Tom Cruise is 54 years old. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, they kind of sell it, 
and then they have this one conversation where she's like, what if we weren't on the run? Would we get dinner? And he's like, yeah, I was thinking champagne. And you're like, no, you weren't. No, you, you never thought about anything. You're not a person. It feels like they're both robots doing an impression of how a person. But him flirts. more so. Yes. yes. Um, but then this movie throws this dumb fucking mm. thing out, which is. Throws it out early. Too. Oh, paternity suit filed against you. What? Your daughter. I don't have a daughter. Yes, you do. Prostitute drug addict. Has a 15-year-old. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to go spy on this girl. The girl's like, who the fuck are you? Samantha, played by Danica Yarosh. Yeah. Unfortunately, not Samantha Reacher. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, no. She hasn't, she hasn't taken the name Reacher yet. No. Samantha Date. Um, and uh, he follows her around, and then she's like, what she the fuck was... are you doing here? And he's like, you're in danger. Come with me. He essentially just abducts her, Qui-Gon Jinn style. Yeah, he kind of does. I mean, she's in trouble, though, because they're, yeah. they're going after her And as he's well. like, trust me. And then, like, an hour later, he reveals that he's her father. And she's like, you're not my father. And he's like, why not? And she's like, oh, shit, you're my father. <laughs> like, that's the whole conversation. <laughs> yeah. She's like, that's impossible. And he's like, why is it impossible? And she's like, oh, no, you are my it father. It is. And the whole time you're like, the whole time you're watching the movie, you're like, look, they're not. He, he's not her dad. You, you just know it. You're like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. You know, it's just, it's and just also, not enough. We don't want to see him these, get human. They, well, that's the thing. They, they just, they wouldn't bother. And they, you, he walks from town to town. He hitchhikes. He's like the Incredible Hulk. Like right. he can't, you know. That's the last shot of the movie is a close up of his thumb on the road. It's, it's literally Bill Bixby. Yeah. Um, but oh, once in a while, oh, she has like kind of a reachery skill for you know sneaking in somewhere and stealing yeah. something, or oh, oh, like oh, fighting. She exclusively calls him Reacher, even though she knows at the second half of the movie that he's her father. Uh, or believes, you know? Yeah, so uh, they have that thread running, but you kind of know it's not going to work out. But it's obvious, and maybe it's not obvious, because maybe it's in the book, but yeah. it's clearly something Zwick, who is more into that kind of soapy stuff, he created fucking 30-something, yeah. uh, you know, grabbed onto and was like, well, this is good. This is like a nice arc for the movie, right? Like, Reacher humanizes a little yeah. bit. He forges, forges a connection with this girl. That's good, even if maybe they don't end up like father and daughter at the end of the movie, like that's nice for that's us to have, right? We don't Jack want Reacher. that. That's the fucking opposite of what I want out of Jack. We Reacher. don't want it. We don't want it. Never go back. Now this is this is where we get into like the seventh movie thing. It's like a the movie starts and you're like this movie's way too relaxed. Yeah, it is way too confident that we're all in the pocket for Jack Reacher, which you and I are in the pocket for Jack Reacher. We are, but it's not like that movie. There was a demand for the second one, right? And the movie's not working <laughs> not hard really. to impress you, and I don't think the movie's gonna do that well. I don't either. I've, it'll it'll open to twenty mil. Maybe it'll do about the same. They claim it costs sixty mil, which is the same amount the first one costs. I think there's no way it costs that much. I think Tom Cruise got twenty million dollars, and I think the rest of the movie costs ten million dollars. The movie looks really fucking cheap to me. It does look cheap, but I'm sure it costs sixty million dollars. It's not hard for a movie to cost that much. Money. Then maybe Tom Cruise's salary was fifty million dollars <laughs> because I don't think the rest of the movie could have cost more than ten. All right. Um. It's very limited in sort of scope. They go to different cities, but it's just like, it's poorly, you know. They go to, it's from D.C. and then they go to New Orleans. The big finale is set during Mardi Gras, which is dull. The action like sequences are cliche. indifferently the directed. The biggest problem they is the action. feel very second unit. I would be fine with this movie with all of its flaws if the action was awesome. And it blows. It is not awesome. It's kind of boring. It's the, I didn't even hate the movie. Like, three stars. Like, it's honestly, that's the thing. that I, I like it less the more I think about it. Two and a half, and that's generous just because it's a Reacher movie. He, as my friend Matt Singer, our, you know, friend of the pod. Uh, future guest. Future guest said, like, he says he's going to break someone's legs and then their arms and then their neck, and then he does it. Like, there's, there's fun Reacher things Yeah, happen. that's cool. That's why I give it two and a half stars. The problem is the first movie does that more and does it more elegantly. You know? Uh, yeah. 
Um, but I, so we saw this together two days ago, right? Uh, correct. Yesterday, I went to go see Shin Godzilla, a.k.a. Godzilla Resurgent. Sure, which I have not yet seen, but I've heard I, I, is great. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I was a big fan. I'm a big Godzilla fan. Uh, I've seen a I chunk of them. Not, I am not. I mean, you know. But I mean, I like Godzilla. I just feel like being a big Godzilla fan, that, that requires a lot of sort of nerd, nerdy, like, you know, right? All that. Yeah, stuff. I'm not a huge Godzilla fan. Like, I wouldn't cite just myself a lot as an expert, but I, I'm pretty well-versed, right? And Godzilla is much like, a, you know, the Westerns, you know, stuff we're talking about. It's like a very, there's a set formula for that franchise, for how these movies work. And a lot of the ways that the Roland Emmerich movie fails is from deviating sure. from that formula. Godzilla movies have a lot of bureaucracy in them, right? There's never that much of the monster. It's mostly the government dealing with it. It's always some sort of allegorical panic, right? Right. I saw our friend, friend of the pod, Emily Yoshida, talking about mm -hmm. that, right? Like, the movie's, like, weirdly nerdy. Yes. Yeah. It's always very nerdy, right? But, like, the key is Godzilla's Godzilla. Like, you know what you're going to see. Sure, he's not going to suddenly, yeah, carry on. It's like covers of the same song. It's a great song, and you're letting other people reinterpret it. And it's like, but, you know, keep the things we like about the song. Put your own spin on it. Sure. But don't fucking deconstruct it to the point where it doesn't sound like the thing that I like. Right. And they don't try to make Godzilla anything other than what he is, you know? Sure. Like, even when you get to the movies where there's another monster for Godzilla to fight, and this is not one of those. This is one where it's just Godzilla destroying stuff and them trying to stop them. Sure. Versus the ones where he has to sort of defend the city. He can never get too heroic. He can never become too conscious or deliberate, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the Roland Emmerich movie, they make it that Godzilla is a woman and she's just trying to protect her babies. Th that movie makes a ton of mistakes. Right. Yeah. Whereas, like, in some of the original Godzilla films, he has a son. He has Godzilla Jr. But it's, like, it's, n it's a very animalistic relationship and they don't try to map too many human emotions onto it. Right. Like, just let Godzilla be Godzilla. Let Godzilla be Godzilla. And seeing that the day after Jack Reacher, like, hammered in for me even more how disappointed I was and never go back because I feel like they're not letting Jack Reacher be Jack Reacher. It feels like he went to Paramount and was like, please let me make another one. And they were like, okay, but can you make Jack Reacher a little more like other characters? That, that makes sense, that they would maybe have demanded just, like, can it not be as brutal as the first one? The first one was just so cold. You know, he's a yeah. cold character. Well, yes, he is. But that's like a fucking bummer to me because that's the appeal of Jack Reacher. Without that, it's like you get a couple good moments. You have him explaining how he's going to beat the people up, you know? You got Cruz, who's the best at putting on and taking off jackets right. in the history of cinema. Yeah. But, like, other than that, it's like, what the fuck is this thing? You know, there's not that much inherent to the concept. It's like the character. And you lose the physical presence. It was all in the way that Cruz played him, which means the brutality, the sort of condescension, mm -hmm. you know? And clinical appraisal I, of situations. I think I said this to you after. I did say it. I, I think he's maybe even better. He's so at ease with the character. He's such. I think it's a great performance from him. I agree, but it's a bummer one. applied to this. No, movie. I agree. Yeah. I, it's just there's something about that. He like sort of sniffs and grimaces every time he's like interacting with a person. He plays it like a cat. Hates. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then he's like so confident and comfortable when he is, uh, you know, beating the shit out of somebody. Yeah. Now here's the thing. I think this is like you know. A, a real misstep for the Jack Reacher franchise, and I hope it's not the end of them. It might be, but well, it might so, not. I mean, they're low-cost enough. I really think they're inflating the number on the budget, um, and I think he'll do well enough overseas and, like, fucking whatever, and he might make more of them. You asked why he was trying to keep this franchise going so much, and the thing we talked about, which we, you know, sort of teased at the beginning of the episode, is that Mission Impossible is obviously his big champagne A yeah. franchise, right. right? But it can't last forever. I mean, it's that franchise is built upon the promise of him doing incredible, insane stunts, and he's 53. Four. Yeah. Yeah. he's getting old 
Yeah, and like he's at a point right now where his face has gotten a little more interesting because he's got the bags under his eyes, but he's still like got jet black hair. He's still working out a lot. His body's a little weird. Getting a little weird. It's getting a little weird, but he's like fighting the last vestiges of like, can I still look like a VRL man, right? Right. Um, Mission Possible isn't going to work when he passes that. He's going to make six. No question. And then we'll see. Yes. There might be a passing of the torch at that point. I wouldn't be surprised if six is constructed to let Ferguson sort of lead the franchise. That'd be cool. I mean, it Renner certainly ain't going to. I mean, right. the, the, weird, the weird thing about the plans they all made, yeah. both Mission Impossible and uh, Bourne, yeah. to have Jeremy Renner take over the franchise, is Jeremy Renner is 45 years old. Like, he's not your so young bizarre. gun. No, absolutely not. I mean, I get what they saw in the Hurt Locker. Obviously, 100%. like this is a movie star. But he was no spring chicken. He was no spring chicken, and also he's not a movie star. He's good. He's what you want. He's a great is, character. He's exactly. an incredible support. What you player. want is him in in the Mission Impossible movies, right. And things like that, and right? The Avengers movies. But like, he, you like him to play off. Pretty yeah. much plays a bureaucrat in the Mission Impossible movies. He's yeah, like he, their point man. If you know, if we're talking about like Arsenal in the nineties, yeah, he's Dennis Bergkamp. He plays off the ball, right? You know, he's great. You want him up front, but he's Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah, fuck, he's that's not, not my Ryan. podcast. Um. But uh, uh, the thing with Jack Reacher is, mm-hmm. Jack Reacher is a character he could play as he gets older. Absolutely. Because and you made this point to me last night, uh, Tuesday or whatever. Yeah, now you're always like, that's, you're totally right. Because Clint Eastwood could play Jack Reacher. And Liam Neeson yes. could play Jack Well, because he's right out of those sorts of sort of dime store heroes, right? Like, yeah. It's so much about presence and intellect. And when he's physical, he's physical in a very precise, like, limited amount of movement kind of way. That's his whole thing. Sure. So it's a thing you could shoot around with an older guy. And I think the Jack Reacher movies could actually get better as Tom Cruise got grayer. And I think this movie is like a bummer, but it also is like the whole point is like Jack Reacher's on like a, a continuum. He's like a feedback loop. Like he's never going to change. And the next movie could reset and totally ignore everything that happened in this movie. And it wouldn't feel lazy or no, sloppy. It would feel or disrespectful. Correct. Yes. I think they should just make fucking 45 of these. And I think his thing is like, look, I'm not going to be able to be this A-list like sci-fi like leading guy forever. This is maybe my retirement policy. Sure. Is every couple of years I I, I flip, whip out a. <laughs> if reacher. he wants to do that, that's fine. Get a better director, Tommy. Agreed. Get a pick a pick a novel that's I don't know. I mean, maybe the novel's good, so I shouldn't I shouldn't demean. But uh, just do things a little differently. Here's Tommy. the thing I read though: never go back what people say is a good novel. A that's the 18th one. So if like 18 in, you're introducing the idea of making him a little human. That's very different than the second movie, sure. right? Yeah. The other thing is apparently the daughter doesn't come in until the very end of the novel. Uh huh. Like, he's aware of the daughter, and he's sort of coming to terms with the idea oh, of having I a daughter see. So out they there. really did mess with it. They fucking Williams Because she's her. on this road, tr- yeah, she's on this road trip with them for two-thirds of the movie. Yeah, yeah, 100%, which is a fucking bummer. Let's play the box office game. Okay. This is for Jack Reacher. Right. We don't yeah. know how Never Go Back no. does this weekend. My guess is $16 million. So this is- En route cr- to 50 domestic. Right. This is Christmas weekend. Okay. 2012. <sighs> okay. I was really into the bathroom, so I'm going to try to do this one quickly. No merchandise spotlight, no burger report, no orange twist file, box office report, and then I'm going to poop really hard. Okay. 2012, it opens what number in the box office? Um, it opens number two. Wow. Okay, so not a great weekend. This is sort of right before the Christmas rush. So it's like the calm before the storm, Correct. right? Number one, how much does it make? $36 million in its second week. That's not bad. It's a 56% drop. It's a big blockbuster movie. It's the first in a new franchise, but it's it's a sort of a spinoff. It's a December franchise. It is. But it's kind of a spinoff. Is it a Marvel picture? No. It's no. 
kind of a franchise, but it's kind of a spinoff. But it is part of like a connected universe in Act of War. Interesting. The 36 second weekend, which means it made like 70 the first weekend. Uh, yeah, let me, I can even find that info for you. Yeah, it makes 84 its first weekend. Wow. And this movie eventually grosses 300 domestic, 1 billion worldwide, which is crazy. In 2012? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason you're not getting this. All right, another clue? And they made another one. They made two more, and you want to talk about this movie on our podcast. Oh, boy. Was that the clue you were going to give? Yeah. 2012, they've made two more since then. They made two more, yeah. They've both been released since then. The the series that it's a part of has now concluded. (sighs) And I don't know that they'll ever make another movie in this sort of universe. I feel like they've tapped a well. Maybe, maybe they will. Is it a book series? Yeah. And is it like a YA thing? No. So it's not 50 Shades of Grey because it came out February. Yeah, it's February. I can't believe you're not getting this. Now I feel like it's obvious. And I want to talk about it. You do. Because of the director? For your sins, yes. Did one director do all of them? Yes. Oh, 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 oh. Uh It's the second one or the first one? First one. It's uh, uh, The Hobbit, uh, An Unexpected Journey. That's right. I do want to talk about these movies. I kind of do too. They're fascinating. uh, You know, I just need a little space. But Jesus Christ, what a testament to those movies not having any sort of cultural mark. Absolutely. Especially that one. And honestly... I think there's a lot to love in, in I think it's a lot to love in every Hobbit movie. I only saw the first one and I saw it in the high frame rate shit, so it was just a deeply unpleasant Wait, experience. You only saw the first one? Yeah. Which is why I want to do the miniseries. Oh. Yeah, they, they get better. Oh really? Yeah. The first one is the worst easily. Yeah. I saw the first one in the high frame the rate second... and was like I fundamentally hate what they're doing. This feels so padded out. Oh, it, it is. looks awful. It's, no, it's I mean don't yeah. I mean the high frame rate. You'd have to not see it. Yeah. Uh the second one is the one that critics kind of liked and I was a little underwhelmed by, but it has a lot of cool action sequences and is not bad. Uh-huh. The third one, which everyone hated. The second except one's the barrel chase one, right? Yes. The third one, which everyone hated except for me, I think is this like hilarious like LSD trip of a fucking nonsense movie. So I think it's, it's like, great. It's like the third Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Okay, we I need to do I kind of have the same. We need to do this. One day. One day. Yeah, we'll we get to Jackson yeah. one day. Yeah. Um, number two, Jack. And by Reed. the way, we've set our next miniseries, and we'll announce it soon. But we're very excited by it. I think it's really exciting, and I think it's big. We've talked about it before, at least vaguely, on this podcast. Yeah, we haven't announced that no, it's going to be the next one. We've no, thrown it out as a I concept, know. but it's big. I know. We're excited. Number two, Jack Reacher opens to fifteen, finishes with eighty. As we okay. Said. Number three is also a new entry. It's a comedy. It was a thirty-five million dollar budget, and it eventually grosses sixty-seven million domestic, eighty-eight worldwide. So that'll give you a hint. Not a. This is not a global film. This is not a global play. Uh, it is a quasi sequel to another comedy. It was a quasi. Oh, this is forty. Yeah, yeah. We could do Avatar one day too. We'll do Avatar one day, no question. Boy, that is yeah. a weird movie. Weird, weird, weird movie. Do you remember what the tagline was for that movie? Uh, the sort of sequel to Knocked Up or something. There was that, but in the trailers they said this isn't their story. This is everyone's story. No, no, sir. it's not. One of the least universal no, movies ever made. Okay. Uh, okay. Number four is an animated film that I've never seen. Uh, it's in its fifth week of release, and it eventually inches over the hundred million dollar line. Uh, made three hundred worldwide. Kind of a bummer. It's a, I believe it's a DreamWorks animation joint. It's a real whatever. Hey, I think if it's what I think it is, I think it's underrated. Oh, okay. Legend of the Guardians? It's called Rise of the Guardians. Well, okay. Legend of the Guardians is Owls of the Good Owls. Hole. Yeah. 
they're very interchangeable tells. I think the film's actually pretty well made. And it was a bummer that it, it bombed because it's the best film DreamWorks has made in like eight years. Wait, really? Yeah, it's kind of good. That film's very well directed. Okay, whatever. Number five, <laughs> I don't care. Rise of the Guardians. Jack Frost, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny. <laughs> Number five is a film we're probably going to talk about one day. A big historical drama, won an Oscar too. Hotel Transylvania. No, uh, it's in its seventh week. It's grossed 116. It's going to finish with 182. I knew what it was, and I was joking with Hotel Transylvania. Is of course Lincoln. Lincoln! Big Link. Big Link. And, uh, yeah, you've also got The Guilt Trip in there, number six. Which is? First weekend. Not bad. I've never seen. I do own, because I took it at a trivia oh, yeah. one week. Yeah. No, it's not bad. Barbara's legitimately great in that movie. Skyfall, Monsters, Inc., 3D re-releases in there. Yeah, I saw that shit. Uh, Life of Pi is in there. Yeah. Breaking Dawn Part 2. I'll say this. I number mean, 11 preview for an upcoming episode is Cirque du Soleil, Worlds Away. Well, I was going to say this. If Blankies want to come through this top 10, there are maybe four movies in that top 10 that we have plans on the books to cover through different miniseries. Is that correct? Oh, uh, wait. What did you say? I didn't listen to it. I'd say there, there are at <laughs> least three movies in that top 10. I said four, but I'm downgrading mm-hmm. it to three now. What was the fourth? That we're, 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 there that are three movies in that top about. ten that we plan on covering in the immediate future. I'd say in the next year or so. Well, so you're arguing Hobbit, Lincoln. Life of Pi. Life of Pi. You're right. What was the fourth? I didn't want to give spoilers. I wanted to, you know, let them parse oh, out well, which we can ones cut they that were. Out. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not going to be Rise of the Guardians. They're not stupid. We're going to do a Rise of the Guardians miniseries. I had to poop so badly. Thank you all for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. Next week, we will be back with True Lies with Rob Milligan. That's right, uh, which we previewed last week, and uh, but it's going to happen we, next we week. We just snuck in a little reach. We just decided to reach for the sky, and yeah. I think we did a great job. I did, too. No burger reports. Let me really stretch this out. I need you. to poop so I know, badly. I know. Okay, okay. Okay, and uh, thank you for listening. Blah, 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 blah. And as always. <laughs> yeah, he's doing the first thing. Describe what it is. He's jerking off and reaching for something. I'm not jerking off. What am I doing? Yeah. And hell's yeah. Thanks. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. 